Hello there, people of the world. I am back with another episode of the Faces of UBC podcast. In this conversation, I speak with my enigmatic and intelligent friend, Nika, the Georgian mountain goat, Tabataze. Nika is studying astrophysics here at UBC and is a very interesting individual. Like the majority of our conversations, we were all over the map in this one. We talked about Nika's homeland, the tribalist nature of humanity, setting up mining operations on the moon, and much, much more. So please, give it up for Nika. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What up, man? How we doing? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, dude. I'm good. I'm pumped to have you on. This is going to be fun. It feels good. Yeah. <laughs> In a studio. <laughs> yeah, you feel... I don't know. It's... Uh, it's, it takes a little bit to get used to having a microphone in front of your face, but honestly, it's like... It disappears slowly. Yeah, like really. Um, dude. Oh, okay. Let's get right into talking about uh, what we were talking about before. So we were having conversation before this um, about uh, weapons and nuclear weapons, and you were about to explain like the evolutionary sort of lineage of when we started killing each other with weapons, right? That was what you were about to do. It's my personal idea. Mm-hmm. It's like... Make sure you I believe that humans started using weapons. Firstly, the weapons were just tools for agriculture, for like cutting wood. And then someone used that tool to kill someone. Mm. And that's how that tool for agriculture and for... Make sure you really like, get yeah, into yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Because I can't really hear you in the... Uh, can you? Nah, no, I can. No. Yeah. 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 And then someone just used that tool so to kill someone. <laughs> I know it's hard. But here, like, maybe, like, angle it. Wait. So, like, you're looking at me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. All right. Um, yeah, go with your... What, sorry, what did you just say? I said that... Uh, your personal belief about, like, the evolution of weapons, too. Yeah, yeah. I think that weapons started with tools, mm-hmm. big tools. Yeah which were used for agriculture, etc., etc. Yeah. And someone just used that tool to kill someone and that's when the tools turned into turned into weapons. Yeah. When how long do you, how long has like trade with weapons been around? Cuz no wh- when different civilizations started meeting each other, I suppose, that's only when trade started to happen. I don't know when that happened. When we had money, before that, right? The trade has been around because yeah, 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 yeah. we did. We would just do goods. So we would barter with, you know, I would give you a hundred skins of uh, a goat, and you would give me like some silk. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what would Georgia give. Like, if you're a Georgian uh, trade tradesman, and you meet some like, I don't know, barbarian in the forest, and you had to trade something with him, what do you think you would trade? Mm. Wine, probably. Wine? I would give them, like, grapes and wine mm. and f- fruit, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, agricultural stuff. Yeah. But I know that there is a one of the oldest gold mines in Georgia. Hmm. And now it's, like, a situation, like, should we mine that place more and more? Mm. Or should we make that place a cultu- cultural heritage? Ah, wow. So, like, so there's still gold in there? Yeah. Mm. So, like... 
is yeah georgia has lots of natural resources right like pretty rich in natural uh, resources we do not have oil we do not have i don't know like we do not have oil basically mm-hmm. but we have a lot of water resources mm-hmm. and i know just because like uh my family is involved in it that we produce electricity with hydroelectric dams and uh sell it to turkey wow yeah interesting yeah it's really interesting so they're on the track for like renewable energy then but i guess in Ru- like you're dominated by russia right like you have to use russian oil i assume like is that um, where all of your oil comes from we used to be highly dependent on it but now we are trying to use more other like more oil from Azerbaijan from <laughs> the chill countries yeah, the <laughs> chill countries basically nah, isn't Azerbaijan just very um very very wealthy but it's pretty pretty tightly constr- tightly controlled from what i understand i have no idea oh yeah i actually do and didn't you tell me like azerbaijani president is like crazy Azer- azerbaijani president put his wife as her his prime like oh, vice his president vice president yeah it's oh weird. that's chill then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll be good for the country probably yeah and like <laughs> if a country has that much resources there has to be someone like in control of it you know so mm-hmm. like yeah it no. might be bad for like the development of democracy in the country but like yeah those little those small countries that were part of the Soviet Union and broke up and just have like shitload of oil wealth I feel like we can't they, we kind of just left them to do they're like yeah figure it out <laughs> you know what i mean kyrgyzstan uzbekistan yeah all Turkmenistan, of those yeah yeah they yeah. all have a different resource in their countries yeah they like hate each other so they are like not sharing it mm-hmm. and that's why like the situation there is like pretty tense wow yeah interesting that that was what like soviet union left in post-soviet countries they basically um the soviet union made neighboring countries kind of enemies mm-hmm. to each other so after it fell apart there is no shared goal you know like what mm. happens in europe right like in europe you have germany like helping france france helping spain spain helping italy italy helping yeah, germany the european union yeah <laughs> it's european supposed to be union. like we kind of help each other yeah but like in post-soviet countries and eastern europe it's not like that it's not like that yeah and I think, like, once those countries appreciate the power of unity and appreciate the value of mm-hmm. friendship between countries, that's when the um, development yeah. of democracy, of yeah, flourishes. new generation flourishes. Yeah. Anytime that you're including a group of people who you thought were your enemies and then y- instead trading with them and developing ideas and stuff like that, it's a much better idea. <laughs> it works it works much better than just constantly thinking of them as the other tribe. This stupid why we have that wired into our heads though. And I thought about that the other day like are we ever going to get to a point where we can kind of move past the tribalist instinct we have? We have this so cuz we were tribal people, right? We were hunter gatherer tribes of like 150 people. Not even 200,000, 300,000 years ago, which is really not much time in the, in the landscape of, I don't know, the conception of Earth and evolution and stuff. Um, but will we ever move, will we ever, like, <laughs> evolve past 
Maybe it's when we'll merge with machine, when we'll kind of have to augment us and be like, this makes us, we'll have some implant, and like, this makes us so we don't <laughs> just group up and, like, hate each other. Because you see it in everything. You see it in sports teams. You see it in fucking everything. Everything. But like, Any time that a group of people can group up on another group of people, they will. But sport is another type of unity. It is. It you is. You have... The you Olympics... Have Yeah, you have yeah. different like football clubs, Champions League. You have uh people from different social spectrum right. All over. supporting mm -hmm. the same club. It's actually that's a very good point. Yeah. And But and so you're now part of a larger group of people that look different from you, but you still hate a shitload of other people yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in your that are still just Spanish like Spanish Spanish like, people. I I think that's what that's what makes the sport like really important yes, for the country i think you're right in case of this year's olympics yeah you you saw north korea and south yeah, korea that was crazy under that was very flag. impressive yeah and it started a line of uh new developments that mm. include south korea and north korea negotiating with each other that's cool and now we have south korean artists going to north korea to have a concert there whoa yeah That must be a crazy concert. Kim Jong Un's like, like they probably pay the um pay the f pay the people that are going. K-pop in North Korea. They just like a uh, clap. They have like one of those <laughs> lights, you know, in the when they're uh, filming sometimes, and they need to cue the audience when to laugh or when to clap. There's just a light that says like, clap now. <laughs> and then here. if if you see the like, uh, the videos during like Soviet Union and. After even it fell mm -hmm. on the concerts, you have people clapping in a sync like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it used to be like really funny because there is like one comedy show uh -huh. where you have like a lot of people from regions come, mm -hmm. a lot of re people from regions come, and like that basically means that they are not that open to public. Mm. For me, dancing in public is freedom like yeah i've been to a club and danced there of course, man. but for them it's a really big step to be that open mm. and they just sit there do nothing really? throughout the whole concert and when they say clap they clap and sing <laughs> like zombies it's pretty funny like you have to see that wow no uh that reminds me of this experience i had um uh, i was in thailand and there's a giant um park Right, so people jogging around, people running around, walking their dogs, and I think it's at sunset every day when the anthem plays. They play the national anthem, <laughs> yeah. and everyone, no matter what you're doing, say you're like jogging, you immediately just stop and go into a like not a salute, but at attention, at attention stance. Your hands are by your side, your like spine is straight up. It's not like you're covering your heart like for the American anthem. It's you. You would be. Super, super and, but it's so weird. It's like someone just put a freeze, uh, freeze frame, freeze gun for on the, the whole country for the whole for <laughs> no for that park at least. Like everyone in that park, and it's probably like three hundred people, four hundred people. It's a weird experience. It also they play the they play the anthem all the time, dude. They loved they actually loved the king, and sadly he died recently. Yeah. Which uh, my heart go out to. Col uh, color yellow represents the king in Thailand. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. My uh, my roommate is from Thailand. Oh yeah, Af Thai Jeff. Oh yeah, and good old Jeffrey. He, he Even though his name's not Jeffrey, I just love calling him Jeffrey. And he showed me Facebook posts 
during the time when King died, mm-hmm. of his like family members and stuff. And apparently, like they were in the line to visit the king after his death. Wow! For like three hours, they were standing in line just to like see, see the, the body. King. Yeah. So like, holy shit! Yeah, no, it's insane the um, the amount of love I guess they have for for the king over there. They also played the anthem um, before um, a, a film. So it would be like the king has approved this this message, <laughs> and then we would we would stand and they play the anthem, and then we would get to watch a movie. It's interesting. How beautiful is Thailand? It's very nice. It it Thailand is really cool because it's this hub, right, of Southeast Asia, like very very wealthy out of out of those countries. I mean, in the urban areas, obviously you have incredibly poor. Like I would say, probably I don't know the demographic, but I would say most is probably in poverty. I don't know about that, but the like we have big hubs like Bangkok, right? That's mainly mainly Thailand's biggest biggest hub, and uh, Bangkok is a crazy city. It's really cool. It's like as insane as you want to to be, I guess. You you can spend all your time uh, just partying at, on this place called the Khao San Road, which is like all of the hostels and the bars and the backpackers are there, or you can like stay. This is what I did. I like stayed off of that and then came into it like i would come and stay in the kaosan road for like two nights or something and then just go back um and be chill and i would like walk around bangkok bangkok has some of the best uh street food i've had in my life right incredibly cheap and the smooth fruit smoothies oh (laughs) dude dude thai fruit in southeast asia is way better than it is like here or in fucking america (laughs) <laughs> don't say you're uh, America <laughs> um, yeah but uh, then you have northern Thailand and that's very rural and that's still where like a lot of poverty exists but it's beautiful man like the classic you know uh, rolling hills rolling jungle um, sort of uh, surroundings is it like tropical very tropical exactly um, like yeah very tropical are there monks and stuff yeah there are yeah uh, if you go by the um there's like a whole temple complex mm. where all of the, I think the palace is there too. Everything's there, and you will always see. Well, even just going around, it's uh, it's funny. If you go to the metro, mm. they have a seat for a monk. Like they say, like you know what I mean, like a disabled person or something. They have mm. like a sign. They say this <laughs> this seat is for a monk. <laughs> um, so yeah, sometimes you see them just on the metro. It's it's weird how like in the world the cultures like mm-hmm. differ from each other. Yeah. Right? Some basic stuff. You it's know? true. It's so really true. Basic. It, that, and that's a fascinating one. Like East versus West in general is a really fascinating. When I say East, I kind of refer to like Asia, I guess. But um, Asian cultures versus, versus Western, like European slash American cultures is much different. But like if you want to appreciate your own culture, you have to appreciate culture it's true. of other people. A hundred percent. The more cultures you see, the more better person you become well the more you the more you understand the more you understand how different a human being could be just by you see basically the power of environment right you see what is it nature (laughs) you you become more pacifist nature versus nurture yeah you see the nature and nature versus nurture which is yeah it's a powerful thing also just seeing like travel is just good to see how also how badly life could have turned out for you because you're in India or Thailand or any of those countries, you're going to see some pretty abject poverty, like 
child will come up to you and ask, them for, ask you for money and look like they're just like in rags and you don't know what to do. Like I, that happened to me so many, that happened to me several times. You're like, I, you're not supposed to give them money, you know, cause have you seen a, like Slumdog Millionaire? No. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, bro, you gotta watch that movie. It's actually a the good. Sound of Millionaire? No, uh, Slum Dog Millionaire. Oh, the guy who wins. Uh, yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? It's yeah, a yeah, good yeah, yeah. movie, bro. Yeah. You'll you'll like it. You'll like uh, it. I have not seen it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, wait, why was I bringing Slum Dog Millionaire? Up? Oh, oh because uh, there's a scene basically where, and these exist. Um, they're like organized crime will take advantage of homeless and uh. Uh, yeah homeless children essentially will take them in and like will maim them will like pull like uh take an eye out or cut off a part of the hand to make them disabled and then they'll make more money for begging and then they just take all the money from the kid Mm. horrible man horrible i've I've seen an example of that um when i was like really small um if you like the central street in tbilisi I have to cross that central street to go to my grandparents' house. Mm. And every time I went there, there was a woman, like a gypsy woman, sitting in the corner corner of the street with a child. Mm. And the child was growing up. Like, <laughs> that child grew up in front of my Whoa. eyes. And I saw the child. I've every never day? seen him. Yeah, I've, I've probably seen him every day. Wow. Since, I, like, how many years? Like how old was he when you first saw him? He was like in her hands. Holy crap! And every time I went to school, I was going to public school, which is like the school for the district. I had to pass her every time I went to my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I had to pass her, mm-hmm. and th- I've never seen the child wake. He was always, always sleeping in her hands. Wow! And then. I when I got like a little older, I researched it, and apparently they make the child drink sleeping pills. Oh fuck! And they just walk with this passed out child in their hands, oh, and they fuck. make more money. That's and, horrible. And giving worse? a child sleeping pills is like like how big, how powerful are the sleeping pills? I don't know. I really don't they, know. Si- sleeping pills fuck you up. Really, they do. And Sedate plus, you. plus, that's not even it. They sell those children within the community. Oh, my God. So they might be like, oh, like uh, you pay me like $200. I will give you this child. Really? They sell that children? more money. And that's not all. They have heads of the... They are like basically like a gang. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. And they have a head which gets cut from all these beggars in the streets. And they end up having so much money in circulation that... They can hire caretakers for the children when they have their Holy own children. Holy shit. That's dark. It's huge and really bad. That's dark yes. as fuck. And that's the situation. Like, God. I'm saying that we are really privileged and we have to use this privilege that we have. We live in Canada, for example. Oh, exactly, man. We have to use all this knowledge to change the future for the next generation there should not be a person who grows up asleep just because his mother fed sleeping pills and then sold to multiple times you would be so what would that child grow up to be and then we're like oh why do they commit yeah oh yeah why why do do we have yeah why do we have such a a large uh, mental health problem (laughs) oh i don't know (laughs) maybe because you fucking (laughs) did that when they were three years old you would drug them yeah so like that that like opens a 
different perception about people. When we are saying that some person is doing something bad, it doesn't mean that they are bad inside. Yeah. It's the circumstances what makes those people bad. Yes. I think so that's like, very true. Yeah. Y- I, I think like we started talking about war. Mm-hmm. War should not like it's really basic, but like war should not be an answer f- ja, like for anything, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah, civilian death or even even military death is who's, a terrible thing. Whose war are you fighting? Yeah. Who's making money in that mm-hmm. war? Yeah. And by helping the next generation, by improving this small, small details, mm-hmm. we, which are small for us, but for them, the, it's Dude, and you look, life. You go back through history, and for example, you look at World War One, and how much just... Honestly, futile death that happened, and horrible, horrible death. Like horrible shit happened during World War One. It was probably I, I would say it's probably the worst war to have fought in if you fought in it because it was trench warfare. We you were digging in the like winter in France, and it was wet, and everyone had mold and fucking diseases spread really easily, and and you just basically your job was to not get shot, and then. At one point, you would be sent over the top, right? They would they would whistle or they would give the command over the top, and you would have to run and basically move m- move your trench to the next trench that would, had been made. And it's just gr- a meat grinder of fucking chaos. And do you know what's the biggest in- what was the biggest innovation in the trench, like in the First World War? What shells? They started to mm. have shell shocks. Very true. And people who were really brave in the war yeah they, they came back yeah explode next to them yeah. and they had like ptsd ptsd yeah yeah and no one knew how to cure it mm-hmm. so they would just like have all these people mm-hmm. uh they called it uh electroshock therapy i don't remember the name of the guy who did that mm-hmm. but they were basically like having electric shocks uh, in their spine mm-hmm. so they could like walk because Holy shit. they were s- they had PTSD and they couldn't move and they were shaking. Yeah. And during the times of the war, the only treatment for that disorder was mm. to put them on a Elect- milk diet. Milk diet. That was the. Did it work? No. <laughs> yeah, of course. Not. And after that, they started like. Uh, introducing these electric shocks to make them walk and stuff. And now we, you know, now the most recent, um, the best therapy designed to treat PTSD is uh, MDMA therapy. There's uh, multiple experiments. I actually talked about this, I think, with another, I think maybe Gorka and I talked Mm -hmm. about it. Um, But they're literally, they're using MDMA to treat um, because it makes you so open and uh, you vulnerable, but you're accepting of that vulnerability and you opening up and talking about the experience. You just release too much dopamine. Yeah, when serotonin, I think, right? Yeah, serotonin. Yeah. Yeah, but like, we have to understand that while we use, imagine a bucket of water, mm-hmm. that's your happiness in your head, right? Sure. Every time we take MDMA, you are making a, ho- like, a bucket filled of water, which represents happiness. Water represents yeah, happiness. I understand. Yep. And every time you m- take MDMA, you, you take make a drop a, out. No, you make a hole in the bucket. You make a hole in it. Wow. And all this water flows out. And after a while, this bucket needs to recover itself, mm-hmm. 
and the water needs to fill up. Yeah. So if we take moly many times, yeah, we are gonna make more holes in the bucket. You're right. We will not feel yeah happiness anymore, and we will get depressed. Mm-hmm. That's why, like. But I think like the whole point of the experiments is like to clinicize it. So what we do is we prescribe, uh, they we, they prescribe one session with uh, MDMA. Microdose. No, no, they would just do a full full dose MDMA session and they would do lots of counseling along with it and they would counsel after it. And seeing where they got in a few months, I guess, they would decide whether to do another... I'm good. Uh, see whether to do another... Uh, um, uh, what the fuck was I just talking about? See whether if they would... Yeah, see if they would do another... What do you call that? I don't know. Sans? Uh Treatment? Treatment, yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess, yeah. But like, I I actually wrote a paper about um, LSD mm-hmm. and using of psychedelics to treat um, mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for some problems it doesn't work. Like you couldn't get a schizophrenic guy LSD. Like that will not help him out at all. But we can like we can talk about like using psychedelics to treat something in Canada. Depression, like depression. We can talk about treating depression. Yeah. With psychedelics 100%, in Canada, right? 100%. But if our goal is to use psychedelics just to generally treat mental health problems, we have to educate the next generation and teach them yeah. that yeah. drug addicts are... Human beings. Are human beings. And, and it was their circumstance, most likely. They had a terrible yeah, childhood, yeah. you know? And when you use psychedelics, you use it... To benefit yourself, right? You don't have. You like, reflect on who you are. Yeah. From yeah. a from a almost separated perspective. We do not have to let people abuse drugs, and for that we have to have really strong educational. Um, what do you call that? Uh, initiatives. Reforms yeah. Yeah. In education, yeah. to teach Reform. children not to abuse drugs. Yeah. Because if you use everything the way it's supposed to be used, right. You, it will, it will only help you, like spiritually. Yeah, will, and there, yeah. there are people that should not do uh, mushrooms or should not do a psychedelic because they have yeah. histories of mental illness, and like, like it wouldn't be good for them. What What happened when uh, Albert Hoffman mm. invented LSD? The U.S. Army made. Mm. A, they tried to make it a truth serum, right? They tried to make it. it that project was called MK Ultra. Mm. And they would dose they random would, people. Yeah, they would put LSD yeah. in coffee of soldiers. And imagine like oh, yeah. waking up, drinking coffee, going outside, and you see like tree turn around. Yeah, have, you, like, have oh. you seen the videos of uh, there's videos of that? Like of all of these soldiers, they they it's so funny. They have a control, so they'll come out and do um, a bunch of drills. Right, they'll mm. salute and walk around, and and then they they dose them, and then they come back. And then they do the same thing and like see the effects of LSD, and it's so funny, dude. The the guys are just tripping out. A lot of them are just giggling. One guy is just like covering his eyes with his hands and like I don't know, probably seeing his soul or something. <laughs> yeah, like it's just the way we approach the problem that's yeah. the problem, you yeah. know. In the yeah. end of the day, and we've tried prohibition, and it doesn't fucking work. Like they, it doesn't work. We know that already. We tried I, it. Every day, I hear a story from my group of friends from back home. Mm-hmm. Three, two days ago, they imprisoned a distant friend of 
Shit, really? For eight years. He's oh 22 my God. He's 22 years old. For, a, for what? He had a gram of MDMA in his pocket, oh my which he was going to use that night in a club. Wow. And the situation is that in Tbilisi, uh, LGBT community, left wing, it all originated in nightclubs. Mm-hmm. If you went to Tbilisi like 12 years ago, you would see everyone slav squatting outside. Really? Yeah, and there were like wars outside, like outside of the country and inside of the country. Wow. And you have a situation where my father's generation was all addicted to heroin, morphine, really? crocodile. Um, really? Everyone was addicted to them. Just your father's generation? Yes. Damn. And they called them the lost generation because of that. Because there was a war in Chechnya, there was a war in Nagorno-Karabakh between that? Armenia and Azerbaijan. Okay. There is a place where there is a... S- in Azerbaijan, there is a place where Armenian minority lives. Mm. And it's an Azerbaijani place. Okay. And they had a war there. Ethnic yeah, yeah. war. And they, like... When our third president came into power, Mikhail Saakashvili who is a really interesting person. Yeah. You can literally make another post podcast about <laughs> him, like, what he has done. He came into power with a uh, revolution mm-hmm. and he actually boosted like new generation. Like he introduced new reforms for education. He introduced healthy lifestyle, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But he started a war on drugs and my father used to smoke weed. I know that he used to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem was that um, there was a police always standing outside our house. Mm. And during that time, if they caught you with one joint, they would send you to prison for three years. Whoa. Three and, years. And then, you know what happened? Like, our third president's government changed because um, the leaks came out of prison. They used to imprison everyone. Like, they would literally catch us, make us pee, find THC wow. in our blood, take us to the prison. And if you don't tell, like, 20,000 laying around in your house. 20,000? More than that. Dollars? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Whoa. Even, <laughs> you know? They wouldn't let you out of prison. And the leaks of videos came out from the prison saying, like, showing that they were raping prisoners, beating prisoners, killing prisoners. Shit. Yeah. And that's why the government changed. And the new government... How did that leak? Do they know? Um, yeah, they know there is one political v- leader who's saying that she leaked it. Okay. Like, it's pretty dark. And she's still alive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have an assassinated. She, her party is called the National Patriotic Alliance huh. of Georgia. National? Yeah. Like, national or natural? National. National. Yeah. National Patriotic Alliance. Alliance. Yeah, like, they are pretty weird, yeah. And uh, basically what happened was that even now there is a really big war on drugs. I went back home for Hambulong. For what? Uh, The week? In May, I went back for like 10 days. Mm. Last May? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is a really big event. It is made after uh, Georgi Bakanidze, who was the pioneer of DJing in Georgia. And since it became a really like... DJing became a really, like, important part of our, like, new generation's culture. Mm -hmm. We started making small parties called 4GB. Okay. Like, it's his initials. And Ah. 
This year it was held in abandoned Soviet spacecraft station. I, I told you this <laughs> oh, before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, that sounds so crazy. Whenever I was coming out of there to go home just to sleep, and I was like... So it was like a multi-day festival Yeah, it was for thing. like two, three days. And whenever I was coming out of the place, I'm not going to lie, I was talking German to my friends. <laughs> just because they do not imp- like take into custody... Uh, like foreigners because really? foreigners are weird you know like <laughs> that's the mentality but like they will take Georgian because whoa we will do everything for our family member to be out of prison like whoa. people sell their houses to take people outside of prison really yeah and that's fucked yeah and like these policemen were looking at me like literally like scanning me so you're, you're literally afraid that the police are gonna kidnap you no, I was afraid that police would put me in a car, take me for a drug test. And oh, yeah. yes. But yeah. the si- thing is that like... It's kind of the same thing. But the thing is that you have to know your rights. Mm. We decriminalized weed now. And not even if you're tripping like balls in the street, <laughs> police cannot take you into custody. Oh, that's dope. But no one knew that. Really? Like public didn't know that. So that's how are they arresting people then if, if you can't? If it's decriminalized. If you do not know your rights, I thought the whole point is you can't, you don't you don't arrest uh, people. We we decriminalized it like two months ago. Oh, okay. After they imprisoned. Did they just decriminalize weed or all drugs? No, we only decriminalized weed for personal consumption. You okay. cannot even grow it. Wow. But the thing is that like we have really like close cultural ties. Mm. Apparently, like it's an ancient plant. In it's so a, many yeah. cultures, man. If you go into mountains, if you go into north, you can see people. Uh, baking a dough pastry full of hash. No, it's not hash. It's called matzan. Matzani, which is basically... It's like a bowl of hash, right? It's a a bowl bowl of hash which looks like a rock and you just grind it and they make uh, meat pastry from it. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yo, dude, let's take a little save break. This was chill. All right, short intermission and uh, we shall be returning. This save break is brought to you by Nika and his tremendous beatboxing skills. Give it up for the man, the myth, the mountain goat. I'm a cool eighth grader. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was pretty good, man. That was pretty good. Like, not bad. I love how, yeah, I, I never, <laughs> I can't really beatbox, but I feel like everyone's friends, like, tried to. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? E- everyone tried. Yeah, yeah, everyone, everyone tried. tried I had a few, I think, uh, I was talking about this the other day. I've had a few people that are actually pretty good at beatboxing in my high school. Like, this one dude could do the, uh, <laughs> was the drop it like it's you know the drop it like it's hot yeah of course yeah <laughs> yeah cool. dude i feel like that that one was the quintessential <laughs> one you had to know if you were trying to become like a, bo- a beatboxer uh, for me it was like billy jean oh yeah oh yeah 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 that's yeah 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 and then you have to do the the high-pitched noise at the same time though that's a Snoo. that's the hard part yes I can't do it. Like, I don't know. They are able to make, like, several sounds from the noise yeah. at the same time. Exactly. It's yeah. really crazy. I, I I guess if you just train really hard, like, <laughs> you can do it. There, there is a TED Talk of a guy who, like... Um, Taught himself? 
No, he literally talks about how he traveled around the world and oh, beatboxing. Yeah, beatboxing, no and he beatboxes um, like different cultural songs. Hmm. Yeah. And Damn, it's pretty sick. Like interesting. Like it's where where he goes, he he does the music of that place, or yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. It's sick. Shit. Yo. <laughs> I don't know. Having a talent like that would be so cool. Like that's the I can do one little riff. Ready? That that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, it, right? It felt like that. Yeah, it basically. I, I mean, it's just a beat like formation. Not, I'm not making anything, anything creative up. <laughs> Do you think every person is musical? Oh, I was having this conversation yeah, yeah, the other yeah. day. Yeah, I think a lot of um, what we when we pigeonhole people into he's not musical, he's musical. It again, it comes from how we were brought up. I think you you can take a child and if you raise it in say poetry and literature and music and classical music and stuff, educate it in those things at a, from a young age and they're receptive to them, hmm. you can you will completely change the like, the individual. I I was thinking about like I really want to become like a physics teacher hmm. at some point of my life, mm-hmm. just because like I want to um, make physics more like accessible accessible for everyone yeah and what i was thinking is that whenever i show like my math pages to someone they're like oh like what, what is the this? hell you know? am i looking at yeah it is like a magic trick yeah in the beginning when someone does a magic trick to you like it feels like oh like uh, who you uh, you can how did you do that how did you do how'd that? you make it disappear and yeah once you understand how mm-hmm. they make it disappear it becomes pretty simple yeah yeah Intuitive. And for you to get really good at it, you just need to train, train, yeah. train. Like anything. Yeah. And it's like whenever they say like physics and math, math <laughs> and uh, biology math. are disciplines, mm-hmm. it's a discipline. You need to be, you need to You make, need to be, dedi- yeah, you need to yeah. be dedicating time to learning what you're interested in because yeah, yeah. without that knowledge acquisition, you can't you can't call yourself a scientist because you actually have to research, right? So you can't research something you don't know anything about. And like think about like whenever we're learning about some like Hooke's law, for example, this guy was literally sitting and he was like, "Oh, like how can I explain how this light comes mm. towards me?" And there is no base for it, you right? Know? Yeah. So you have to spend so much time with the mm. issue. Mm-hmm that you will become like professional in it mm-hmm. and even though like in the end you, your answer might not be correct mm-hmm. you still make a basis yeah. for someone to develop right the right because you've got the yeah you've got the gears turning you, mathematics is so interesting it's like you it's so fascinating how my my math my roommate's a math um major and computer science mm. i think and he was just talking to me about how he he was just tripping out the other day how you if you take i think there's nine axioms that you need to so basically nine things you need to take are true mm-hmm. and you can get all of maths basically all of set theory of maths he says from these nine axioms which is so crazy and like there are these mathematical descriptions of 
things. But say, for example, Space from one right. of these axioms, you can get um, addition and multiplication. Like, but it's amazing. But it shows order, right? It's like there's some some order in the chaos. But we have to underline the fact that we did not invent math. No, we b- discovered we it. Discovered it. Yeah, yeah. And we see like whenever I'm looking at some scientific data, and it's the like shown numerically. It actually like how the fuck <laughs> do like these numbers look so elegant mm. when they are showing something that's mm. really chaotic, you know? Mm. Like that's what they that's what, like people who can read. I'm sure you're pretty mathematically proficient. Like people who can read high high level maths just talks about how beautiful it is. It's insane. Like the sim- like not symmetry or I don't know what are, what is it to you that's beautiful about it. About math? Yeah, or about like those ca- that kind of maths where it's like something incredibly. Well, I guess it's pretty prof- something like e equals m c squared. The, one of the most profound things is like three variables. Like it's such a tiny, tiny equation. That's you, an incredible thing. You know why I think math is really elegant? Mm. I look at math as an extension to our brain. Mm. What is zero? What is nothing? Mm. That's why we invented math mm. to support the idea that we cannot think of nothingness. Yeah, yeah. You know? Nothingness is a very hard thing to conceptualize. That, I think that's the basis for math, and that's why we use Indo-Arabic uh, script for math, mm. like one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, and they introduced zero. Mm-hmm. They introduced nothingness. Isn't India... I thought India introduced uh, it's zero. An, it's an Indian... Um, oh, Indo-Arabic, you said. It's Indo-Arabic because yeah, Indians invented it and Arabic people oh, spread it throughout th- the uh, world. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So, and like, ma- like, for me, at this point, I appreciate the data and I can evaluate and uh, understand data more and more. Mm-hmm. If you show it to me the mathematical way, yeah. yeah. Just wow. because, like, you know how it was, like, whenever I'm taking classes now, and I'm like, I'm doing this linear algebra for a year, and after I'm done with the class, you know, two three months after, I might be like walking in the street, and I might be like, oh, this is what it meant, and this is what it really can explain you know wow that's what it does that's why science is so addictive for people who are actually Mm. interested in science right the new thoughts come into your mind because it helps you look at a certain object from different perceptions Mm -hmm. you know right and a very fundamental breakdown of an object like yeah, it's a fascinating thing. If all the politicians were scientists, if scientists... Nothing would get done. <laughs> I mean, nothing gets done anyway, but, like, really nothing. They would all be just research. They would all just... They'd be like, okay, next budget meeting, give $15 billion to NASA and then spread it throughout everybody. <laughs> oh, wait, what are you researching? Oh, uh, am- amphibious eels <laughs> in the Congo. Uh, nah. And then they would just... Yeah, they would give out all the money like that. Do you think no, I think we should. I should think. I think science should be a much larger part of government, because now it's weird. Because especially places like the U.S., um, uh, you have to basically research things th- that have funding. 
where's the funding coming from? A lot of times, U.S. government. So, for example, I know um, here, if you are researching spinal cord injury, hmm. there's lots of money in spinal cord injury because, uh, you know, veterans are coming back with uh, spinal cord injury. Like, it's a very uh, – head trauma is a huge thing now. Um, so, but say you don't want to – say you want to research something else, like the effect of, I don't know, anything. But, but um, it's not as well – funded so there's not going to be as many grants for it so you kind of have to be a little bit uh flexible i would say but but think about the founding situation like last year a professor from ubc published several studies i had uh i was talking to my prof about it and this guy published a study proving that um mmr vaccines measles yeah measles mumps rubella yeah, that vaccine is called cause autism. Mm. And if you go deep into that issue, the guy got funding from a family which really supports mm. anti-vaccine Vax. movements. Anti-vax. Wow. And whenever I like highlighted that fact to my prof, you know what he said? He's, he's an old guy. He has been in the field for a while. And he was like, yeah, he discovered many other stuff. But just because he got funding from wow. the family, he has he to. Has to Buck. Which is like that's crazy. That's the fundamental part of science. Of science, yeah. You know, it like, can't be biased. Yeah, yeah. Or faked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no. like, it's weird. Yeah. There has to be there has to be less involvement of funds into science. I guess it but should just be. I don't know. I guess it just should all come to the government. Do you think then, like all from taxes? Because then that's a separation because the science feeds industry. So new science equals new technology. New technology is used by business and that spreads. So it goes like there's a pipeline from science to industry. So if you get the state involved in all of their funding, what happens to innovation? Like that is a that is a hard problem to solve. So I don't know. I really, I really have no idea. Yeah, that's a hard problem. Really hard problem to solve. Hmm. We got we got some things to conquer ahead of us, the human race. There's a lot of things that we need to kind of <laughs> we'll be facing. What's going to really s- smack us in the face is uh, climate change, and it's already starting to, starting to. They think that a lot of uh, the Bay Area, a lot more of the Bay Area, like San Francisco, is going to be underwater than they thought it would. I mean, now we're just going to build like reinforcements, and it'll probably happen at a slow rate where we still kind of keep the coastal cities where they are but eventually i think uh, the, with the combination of uh, i i don't think humanity will stay on earth for that long to see really drastic climate but w- we're gonna see some change like in our lifetime yeah and the thing is that like this is really like basic and every th- everyone says this mm-hmm. technology grows exponentially mm. so does the requirement of the energy that we have right on the earth yeah so I think it was Elon Musk who said that the first trillionaire will become the guy who starts getting resources from out of Earth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think in our lifetime we will see a boom of extraterrestrial industry mm-hmm. in the world, and that will change. Yeah. Well, we yeah we had a long convo before yeah, this, yeah, but yeah. talk about your like the paper you've just written and or this uh, this essay that you just written because um, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, the paper is about helium-3, which is a 
let's say it's a cousin of helium four that mm-hmm. we use to fill our birthday balloons. It's an isotope, right? So it it's just a, has it's an isotope one less neutron, right? Yeah, yeah. And this isotope doesn't reach Earth just because this magnetic field that guards life on Earth mm-hmm. repels it. Yeah. So it has been collecting on Moon for like four billion years, and in 1972, when we sent Apollo 17, um, Apollo 17 has to be one of the most important space projects done by US, by NASA, hmm. just because they sent Harrison Smith, no, Harrison Schmidt mm-hmm. on moon, okay, who was the first fully trained geologist who could wow. identify and gather the samples on the moon. Hmm. And the biggest problem with Harrison Schmidt, how to go on the moon and how to survive on the moon. Hmm. But the only problem in his agenda was that he wasn't a trained pilot. Okay. So he had to get ready for two years, learn how to fly. Whoa. Have his pilot license. Like you, you have to be, you have to learn how to fly jets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be pretty. <laughs> That's crazy. Good at it too. And he went on moon. He fell twice. And Apollo 17 had the highest, like, longest moon landing. Wow. And they left the spacecraft and explored moon for the longest time. It's like a record-breaking time. Mm-hmm. And they gathered a lot of 220 pounds of l- wow. moon rocks or 240 pounds of moon rocks. That's approximately, like, 100 kilograms of yeah. moon, mm-hmm. sm- like, lunar soil. Yeah. They brought it back, and it was the sample 75501, which contained parts of helium-3. And, yeah, like... So, basically, you extrapolate from what was in those rocks to the rest of the moon, and you have a ridiculous amount of of helium-3. And the situation, like, today is that nuclear reactors behind the nuclear reactors that we use today, it's literally the same thing. We can literally make this... As a bomb. No, no, no. We can literally make the same thing out of fossil fuels. Oh yeah. When you have enriched uranium, isotope of like heavier uranium, two five seven, I think. Two seven five, two five seven. Yeah, something. Whatever. You just shoot a neutron at it, mm-hmm. and it starts to decay. Mm-hmm. And well, it when it decays, it produces radon, mm-hmm. gold, s- silver, iron, radiation. Yeah. Yeah. And while it decays, it produces energy, mm-hmm. and this energy this thermal energy heats up the water mm. and this water turns into steam and starts to turn the turbine, turbine. which makes electricity. Isn't that crazy though? Like we have used a turbine to create electricity since steam engine, like water turning a steam, turning a turbine or water turning a turbine, wind turning a turbine. That technology has stayed stable, which is just fascinating. And the situation is that like, that's a fission reaction. Mm-hmm. That's a decay of particles. Right. But we can have fusion. And that is what happens in a... Well, there's some bombs that use fusion, right? But other bombs use fission. Like the older bombs would yeah, use yeah. When fission you thro- reactions. When you throw uncontrolled. A, when you throw a, an atomic bomb at someone, mm-hmm. you have to have someone who presses on the button and mm-hmm. explodes the bomb. Hmm. Because, like, I was watching this documentary and they are like, oh, it depends where whether the atomic bomb will hit the ground and then explode or will explode in the air. Mm -hmm. So that means that there has to be, like, it's controlled. Mm -hmm. You can throw an atomic bomb and 
not have it explode. It will, yeah, it doesn't have a blasting thing. But n- I guess now they can probably make it so that it starts the reaction immediately, right? I would think. Probably, like... Yeah, like a small explosion time to go off, and then that starts the fission... It has so much, like... Chain reaction. It will bring so much destruction that none of the countries will, in the end, like... Yeah. Fully use it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's mutual destruction. Mm-hmm. But... But anyway, that's the... That's the... Yeah, ch- yeah. That's the... Basically, the science of a... It's a controlled nuclear bomb. That's yeah. basically what but a like, nuclear fission reactor is. why is this sample 75501 really important? They found isotope of helium-3. Mm. And this helium-3 can sustain a fusion reaction. Fusion, like... We have fission reaction, which starts from a heavier element, and we have decay of it. But we can have fusion reaction, which starts from small small particles. Mm-hmm. And, for example, if you have helium-3 and deuterium, which is a heavier type of hydrogen, mm-hmm. we can have a fusion reaction. And they actually had deuterium-deuterium-powered fusion plant in Princeton University. They mm. kept it working for 30 years. They sustained it for 30 years. And what Harrison Schmidt says is that the problem with fusion react- reactors is not the engineering like development, you know? Right, like the, the technology. It's, yeah, we have technology to have it. We do not have the isotope of helium. The on fuel Earth. source. The fuel source. Wow. And... After they brought this sample back to Earth, they it was uh, Wittenberg or Kulczynski. Okay. Uh, Scientist. U- uh, yeah, University of Wisconsin Fusion Technology Institute um, started researching the cover of helium-3 on the moon. They wanted to see the distribution and how much helium-3. When, how long ago was this? 1988, 1986. Wow, pretty recent then. Right? Yeah, yeah, pretty recent. And they found out that there are 10 to power of 9 kilograms of helium-3. Wow. On moon. That's 10 billion. 10 billion kilograms. kilograms of, of a gas, right? Is it gas? A, no, it's in the rocks. It's in the rocks. So and the technology to extract it is that you... You heat a bunch of rocks up and suck out the... No, it just comes Evaporate. Out. Yeah, yeah. But I guess you have to collect it, so you'd suck it into something. Yeah, and um, wow, and then you just heat that up, and then gather all the helium and bring back fusion to Earth, and have a fusion reactor. And how's a fusion reactor work? Just heats it up? No, no, no. Bombards you just put it this in. gas. You bombard it with deuterium, and this process makes helium four, which is that gas uh, for the balloon, like laughing gas. Not laughing gas for the balloons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Helium. What am I and saying? approximately 1% of neutrons. And why neutrons in this case are really important is that that's the only radioactive waste that we have. All the other energy that is produced in the reaction is... Is heat. It's gone as heat. Pure energy. Yeah, pure energy. It's not radioactive. It's yeah. literally pure energy. Wow. And the situation is that you can have 220 pounds of helium... This is according to Harrison Schmidt, that geologist on the moon. You can have 220 pounds of helium-3 powering a city size of Detroit or like Vancouver for a full year. And the approximate value for 100 kilograms, 220 pounds of helium-3 is $14.2 million. Damn. Per pound? 
Or per kilo? 220 pounds. Oh, for 220 pounds. Yeah. 14 million. Enough to sustain one city for a year. That's oh, literally, that's not... That's that not. literally means that we are saying no to fossil fuels for fission reactors, for solar panels, mm-hmm. for wind turbines, for Everything. hydroelectric dams, for, like, manpower. Yeah, because it's m- way more efficient to use. Yeah, it's, it produces how much? Uh, what? It produces a lot of electricity. I showed you. Oh, yeah. It was like uh, 10 to the 7th gigawatts gigawatts per year. (laughs) 10 million gigawatts, which I don't even know. I guess it's the equivalent of, like you said, a a whole whole city for a year. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, no. Way more than that. Because that was like... Oh, no. That was... I don't remember. It's pretty numb. It was a huge number. But I don't know how much that was. Is that per kilo of, of helium? Like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember, yeah. yeah. Like And plus, like, if we are gonna ever mine helium-3 on the moon, we have to start an interstellar industry. Mm-hmm. And why... Wait, I interstellar? Ha- uh, extraterrestrial. Okay. And you know what? Like, why it, like, started, like, mm. this idea? Um, Falcon Heavy was launched by SpaceX. Mm-hmm. And for $90 million you can uh, put 60 tons of, uh, like, something, you know, like, resources in mm. the space while we used to pay, like, way more. Right. It's care. only gotten cheaper to, yeah. to go to space. And you know what it means? That, like, if you... With in- the private industry. Yeah, if you have a private industry governing something, the same happened in U.S. in 1862... Mm-hmm. When they made a transcontinental railway, mm-hmm. the governmental support of that idea spread the industrial revolution all across U.S. Mm-hmm. So you do not do not have like west and east right developed with different differently you know? at different rates. Yeah, yeah, and which caused building the railway less and less. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you have to do is that you have to interest the private sector. Yeah. And this private sector will drive the prices down. Drive the prices. Make down. the technology cheaper to make. Yeah. 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 And nowadays, like to extract a kilogram of soil on the moon, according to Kulchinski from the University of Wisconsin, you need to carry seventy kilograms of equipment on the moon. Okay. So that's a big problem. Yeah, that's a like, lot of equipment. Yeah, and this equipment has to be amortized, like can be used for 20 years without any fixing mm-hmm. of it. Wait, so wouldn't you just build, like, some shaft or some some collection unit on the moon, like a semi-permanent structure? You have to literally make a proper base with yeah. proper yeah, for people sure. working there. Yeah, you'd have to establish a base, yeah, for sure. You have to make a base. Bases and on the moon! If you want to go on Mars, <laughs> why not go to moon and settle on the moon first Mm. you know it's true like that's the question like why did we stop landing on the moon after 1970 that is of 1970 we haven't been back right haven't been back to the moon since trump wants us well trump wants to go back to the moon trump wants to build a wall too (laughs) yeah but he will i'm gonna take you back to the moon we're gonna go back to the moon we're gonna be the best on the moon dude you know what's messed up we only have five minutes, so I need to stop this and, and um, save it, and then we've got to get out of here. This was really chill, man. Yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> really, really, really chill. 
<laughs> in the end of the day, we still talk about Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it has to end with some fucking <laughs> depressing politics. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump is the president. Yeah, sorry to end on that note, but... Uh, Not in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, if you're in Canada, celebrate. Hey, All right, peace out, guys. Adios.